Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Are there such things as astral bodies? What is the whole body and soul thing about? Will aliens save us if we careen off the cliff into nuclear war? Hmm. Hello and welcome to the 946th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Uh, coming to you from WOON, AM, and FM Radio in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, on the Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live, on YouTube and via TuneIn.com. I'm Ben, and those uplifting questions came from my co-host, partner in Paranormal Adventures, and dad, Paul. And today we welcome back an old and dear friend who hasn't been with us in, in quite some time, actually, so he's coming back from his little hiatus. He's not so old, especially compared with me, but the one and only Shane Searway is back with us. For our open line show today to help us tackle your questions on all kinds of paranormal subjects. So Shane, welcome back. I'm glad to be back. It's been been a while. Been anxious to to get back. Well, welcome. Well, home. it's it's good to have you back. And uh, I guess we can just we can just hop right into it. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, let's do that. And uh, let's give the uh, call in number today uh, from anywhere. It's four zero one seven six six one two four zero. If you'd like to call in. Um, we used to have an 800 number, but nobody knew what that was anymore, so we just... That's yeah, fine. Legacy technology. Anyway, let's um, get into our first question. This is from Facebook. Doug from Texas. Yes. And Doug writes to us. Uh, greetings, gentlemen. I have somewhat of a philosophical question. Paul, you have often stated that how can you be you without your body? Although you make a valid point, I can't help but question the out-of-body experience. There are numerous accounts of people's spirits, uh, soul, consciousness, or whatever, floating above their seemingly lifeless body. Can you explain these experiences from a multiverse perspective? Is there, perhaps, some validity to the notion of an astral body, quote-unquote? Uh, is there a multiverse equivalent to a so-called uh, astral body? All right, I'll just start, and then I want to turn it over to Shane and, and you, but um, the question is a very good one, but it implies the island theory, okay, that um, what may be happening is uh, you, you just, you, everything that's you is contained within your body and your mind, that sort of thing. Uh, that does not apparently seem to be the case, since there is non-locality involved, but uh, I hark back to our show uh, two weeks ago with Tom Dongo uh, from Arizona, who was a uh, old hand at all this, and we talked about remote viewing. And he said remote viewing is not the same thing as an out-of-the-body experience. And he talked about um, a friend of his who lived about 350 miles away in Colorado, and uh, he was he would visit him by remote viewing, and the dog could see him, and he could smell the cooking, and all this, all the physical senses were there. So I asked him, uh, how do you <clears throat> smell the, the spaghetti sauce cooking, and how do you hear the dog and all this stuff if you don't have your physical senses with you? And he said those, those, few, those words we love to hear, nobody's ever asked me that before, which is bizarre, because it seems pretty obvious to me, so... If Tom is right, we're not dealing with any kind of out-of-the-body thing. It's more of a remote viewing thing. Now, every day we hear 
of near-death experiences, people floating above their bodies, this kind of thing. That doesn't mean that you've got a separate astral body. Now, that's a spiritualist concept that they came up with because they had no other explanation for it. Uh, I think more remote viewing is uh, perhaps a multiverse phenomenon. Uh, astral bodies are easier to tie into an explanation for these things. But I think that we are um, kind of bigger than all that, and, we, uh, and our whole consciousness is non-local. So it's the same thing, you know, you're sitting in school, you should be concentrating on math, but your, your mind is wandering and, uh, you know, you're, you're daydreaming. Uh, I think that, that is um, uh, not necessarily, you're not leaving your body, you're just somewhere else. Now, I don't know if that's an adequate explanation. Shane, what say you? Yeah, I mean, that was good. Um, I'll just talk about what happened to me, and then people can take it for whatever but so i've had several experiences with that throughout my life um one when i was childhood illness which i talked about on the show and it started first where um i was in my body and but it was in a state so it was it was a weird state like i was um basically dying and then i started to think of certain people and when i thought of that person i would go there like i would just automatically be there and but it was like a, a swooshing feeling, like I, whoosh, like a vacuum almost, like I was being sucked to that person that I, I had a thought of, and I was able to experience. Now it wasn't them, but I was able to experience them and what they were doing, and I felt their emotions and I heard their thoughts and everything. Um, but I was still me, if that makes sense. But I was also able to experience what they were experiencing, is you know, and um, and that and I could move. I moved to different places different houses different people um but then the the next transition in that process was that i was looking at myself and i was no longer moving to other people um i was myself looking at myself looking down at myself and i watched um somebody pick me up my stepfather at the time um carried me down the stairs and i was above and i watched the whole thing and it all took place it wasn't in my you know imagination I watched them put me in the car, and then I woke up in my in my body, if, if you will. And then next thing I know, I'm 30 feet above the emergency room parking lot, and I watched the car pull in, and I watched them pull pull me out of the out of the back of the car, bring me into the ER, and then um, at one point I wake up, I'm in my body. But then next thing I know, I'm in I'm up in the corner of the ER, and in the far corner. And then, um, but here's a weird thing was I was actually, I, I watched myself sit up and vomit and then lay back down and become unresponsive. But I, I actually watched myself do that. I watched my body do that. And, um, and I even have a memory of being in my body and doing that, but I also viewed it from the upper corner of the ER and, um, outside of myself, if you will. Um, and that took place all the way up until I was in, um, brought up. I woke up in the elevator later on, um, whenever they got me stable or whatever, bringing me up to the ICU. Um, and that's where I remained, um, in my body. But it was, like I said, it was two like transitions in that process. One was I could experience whoever I thought of. And then next thing I know, I was just watching myself. Yeah, that's a beautiful illustration of non-locality. I want to turn it over to Ben, but just before I do, there's um, 
the notion of uh, the spatial strangeness in some paranormal experiences. For example, I've dealt with uh, people in what I believe are parallel universes who are up by the ceiling or down like in the floor or, or some, somewhere would, would, it would make no sense uh, spatially uh, in reference to where I was. So th- that might be, could be another indication. Maybe the after body thing is true. I don't I just don't think so. Ben? Um, well, that's a, that's a, that's a good question. I, uh, I, I've been, I've been doing this sort of fun little experiment lately with my, with, with how, how I, I think. And it's, it's interesting because you can, you can kind of like get lost, get lost in thought and what does it, what does it mean to get lost in thought? We say it all the time, but it's like, what does that even really mean? And it's, it's interesting because I, I look, I look at a lot of, um, you know, sort of ancient literature, and they refer to a lot of things as, like, rooms, and, like, metaphysical rooms, almost, like, chambers of different things, and there's a particular thing I was reading, I was talking about the, uh, the chambers of the quote-unquote heart, and there's a really fascinating sort of look at how, um, how, how we, we view, uh, we view our bodies, and that everything sort of has a, has a sort of a, a spiritual component to it, so, like, how one, you know, we always say, well, you should really follow your heart. Well, you, we don't mean, like, the beating thing in your <laughs> chest, right? You well, know? unless you're meditating. Right. Well, even then, you know, it could, you could follow it in that, in that sense as well, but it's a physical and it's serving a different purpose at the same time. So not everything has a compartmentalized, you know, just, like, single purpose. Everything has multiple purposes, right? You know, you say, well, you know, my liver doesn't just do X. It does a bunch of other stuff, too, right? It's like your lungs. Your lungs not only provide you with oxygen that, ox- that you know, is able to put oxygen in your bloodstream. You, if you control your breathing, it can also lower your heart rate, right? So it's the, sa- the same sort of thing, but in a, in a different context of, well, what, is this, what does this mean for the quote-unquote, you know, astral body and whatnot? I would say that it's a perfectly normal part of your regu- the, 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 the whole body of the human person. I think as we understand everything as just kind of being separate parts that just have no relation to each other is is just false. You're right. Because that's where you get this whole idea of, well, you know, I may have this problem with a certain substance, but that's just my body's problem. My brain doesn't has nothing to do with that. It's like, well, no, it does. And and it, it all kind of has to be unified as as a portion of one's body. And and let me let me give you an example. It's like, you know, I I want to sleep in. Every, you know, I wish I could sleep every day, but I know I have to get up. My body wants something different. My brain wants something different. My mind, which is different than the brain, wants something different. You know, and it's they all want different things. But the problem is, you need a unified sort of purpose to to kind of exist. So where where am I going with this? It's how we sort of explore our our perception of reality. I've I've kind of come down to the conclusion is. It meets us where we are, and how we sort of experience it is kind of based on our perceptions of it. So, you know, I, I've I brought this up because um, I've I've been thinking a lot about Tom Dongo's interview that we did with him ever since we did it a couple of weeks ago. Because I'm like, okay, it's kind of interesting that he still refers to it as, well, you know, it's I was a, I was a spirit, but I could still touch things, and I could still smell things and hear things, and had all all of his 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 five physical senses, and it's like, okay, well, what does what does that mean? And I think I think the thing is how we how we view ourselves is is um, 
based a lot on a um, neoplatonism, which kind of popped up with with spirituality being you know um, your mind, your your spirit, and your body are two separate things, and they have no sort of um, you know they have no relation to each other at all. You know, there's like a joke where it's like, okay, well, you know, I don't go for a walk, I take my body for a walk. And that's like a very good example of Neoplatonism. And you can see it a lot in, 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 you know, sort of hyper spiritualist realms too, where it's like, okay, well, my body doesn't matter because it's just a flesh machine that I'm forcing it to do things for, right? Because, you know, I die and then I bring knowledge to some ambiguous place and then we all learn things. And it's like, that doesn't, I don't know, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So when we, when we explore our, not just our thoughts, I wouldn't be surprised because it sounds like Tom Dongo, when he was explaining his methodology, it was the same thing, hmm. right? When we get lost in thought, it's almost like the same thing. And so yeah. I think how we view our bodies is kind of like the, the stepping stone to understanding this whole phenomena. And instead of, you know, looking at, man, I wish I could fit this Cartesian square into this round existential hole, but I can't quite do it. And it's like, well, probably because we need to start from square one, which is what is a body, right? So that's that's kind of my two cents on that. Yeah, and just uh, maybe Shane has uh, another comment, but just I'm thinking back to our good friend uh, Anthony Peake, the great uh, British consciousness researcher, in my opinion, probably the, the greatest pioneer of consciousness research of the 21st century so far. And uh, he points out uh, the physical, the fact from everyday physics that uh, matter and energy, uh, and you want to say, you know, matter and spirit or whatever, the, the, the big dichotomy people set up, really doesn't exist. Matter is is energy. As a matter of fact, he points out that, it, that if you take all the empty space out of our bodies, uh, we would be about the size of a grain of sand on the beach, mm. um, and, or even smaller. So, I mean, uh, and, and it's just... And here comes the term vibration. It all depends on how things are, molecules are vibrating, you know, whether something, and even things that appear solid. They're not, I mean, I've met shamans who claim they can, that they knew other shamans who could walk through walls a little because of the empty space, and they knew all about this. Mm. So if matter and energy are the same thing, where's the problem? I don't know, Shane, you have any comment on that? No, you, you just took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say the same thing, but, you know, so we got energy and, and, in mass or whatever, but you get that one particle telling that a chair that it's a chair, and that you know the particle telling us that we're we're a human, we're a body, and a cup is a cup, and there's but it's all energy, it's all um, you know mass, but or mass is energy, and um, you just got that one thing telling each thing what it is, and no one fully understands that one particle yet, but um, but it's very interesting because it, it kind of makes sense to. To everything I've, I've kind of like realized about our work and the paranormal and then my own experiences and everything and um, you know especially getting down to uh, vibration energy and frequency which I'll get more into if we cover Peter's question today so, oh yes uh, we will uh, but I think uh, one more question on that uh, uh, the theme of Cartesian dualism here this is from Eileen and not sure where Eileen is from okie dokie uh, so Eileen writes to us um so you think uh what we see as ghost slash spirits are really currently living people in a parallel slash multiverse uh where then do our dead people's soul spirits consciousnesses go okay well a, an obvious question 
but I think we, we've approached that a little bit in the last one. Uh, in my experience, you know, you wouldn't if you had a, a spirit, which first of all is uh, a fully conscious spirit with full memories, uh, some remnant of a human being, uh, full knowledge, etc., is not possible under the laws of physics. So physicists have told me uh, in our branch of the multiverse, anyway, the laws of physics in the world we live in. So I think you can pretty much forget the, the pure spirit, kind of classical spiritualist approach to that. All right, from that point of view. Uh, so, I mean, maybe, you know, w- w- go where? I mean, it's, there are matters of, in my experience, transition, translation, even from many years of theological study, formal theological study. Um, the, 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 if you want to get religious, I mean, the kingdom of God, as Christians talk about it, begins now. It doesn't begin when you die, mm. or it should, anyway. And uh, that's the whole point of faith and the church and the whole thing, is you begin now. Death is kind of a minor inconvenience. It really has not much to do with that. Now, when Protestant and Catholic were thinking maybe quite different on that. But there is very ancient thinking that does not agree with the idea that, uh, you know, you, you, you die and you know, the two parts of you separate and one of you goes somewhere else and the other goes nowhere. Uh, <clears throat> the whole point... Again, if you want to stay on theology for a second, uh, in the Gospels, they stress again and again and again the physicality of the resurrection of Christ, the physicality of the resurrection of everybody. Thomas, when after the resurrection, was told, but you don't believe it? Put your hand in my side. Feel the wounds. It's really me. I'm really, I'm not a spirit. He might as well have said, you know. Mm. So, so that, that's, I don't know, that's my two cents. I don't know if that makes, that makes any sense, uh, Shane. Yeah, uh, you know, I agree with that. And I had a thought, and it just, <laughs> just lost it. So let Ben go, and I'm, well, I'm going to get, get, catch up with what I was adding my thought. All right, well, Ben, go ahead, and then we'll come back. Ah, the trick is writing it down. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's why I have so many pieces of paper. Um, yes. Yeah, they do make a big distinction because they they make a distinction even in 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 you know I guess we'll we'll stick with the old with you know new and old testament there. They make a distinction between spirits and physical things. Like they they you know they there's a very big even in some oddly translated things they make they make a distinction between you know this is a physical thing happening versus this is a spirit doing something. And um there's a really fun sort of idea that there's really sort of two deaths there's a spiritual death and a physical death, and um, that they that the the idea is that one can still be alive but be spiritually dead, and which is suppose which is the worst kind. Um, and then there's the opposite side of the spectrum, which is you know you can be you know physically dead but not spiritually because you know you you live on. And they you know the the thing is they don't really go into a ton of detail about it because at the end of the day we don't really know. <laughs> Um, but there is sort of this idea that you sort of you, you do your best to help those who have translated in their lives, as as sort of the idea that it's not really over; it just continues. Well, that's it. I mean, I mean uh, before we go back to Shane, I, I get where Eileen is coming from. You you go to a wake, you go to a funeral as a loved one you've known all your life, you know, parent or a child, God forbid, a child lying there, and they're not there. There's just the body, the remnant. So where have they gone? 
Uh, it's a it's a it's a perfectly legitimate question. Uh, I think one, however, has to ask the right question in order to get the right answer. Mm. So, where were you? Like uh, we had a lot of people write in. Gosh, it's eleven years ago now when your grandma uh, translated and said, "Okay, well, what do you got? How do you guys handle it?" So I said, it's not so much that she's still with us, it's that we're still with her in many worlds where she never died. I have a wonderful relationship with her still. Mm. <clears throat> you know, and, and it's, uh, you have to have the multi, I think you have to have the multiverse awareness, which is in the gospel, it's in the Gita, I, well, I've read the Quran twice, uh, yeah, it's in there too, I think. And, uh, it's just a matter of expanding your own awareness. So but, Shane, what's, what, what say you? Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you guys, and I was going to speak on uh, some things that were in the Bible, but I still have this one hang-up for, for me, um, and so, you know, we can't, we don't know everything, nobody does, no. and, we, you know, we have theories and stuff, but, so here, I, I base my theories, obviously, on an experience and, um, you know, that process to identify trends in our work and everything, and you, you come to your, you form your own conclusions, so... But what's happened to me several times, and, and one was a very, very strong, powerful uh, thing, was I seen a body, or it looked like a real body, of a, or apparition, whatever you want to call it, that spoke to me. That I never met this person in my life. and and But they died in real life, or their body died, I, I should say, and, and, um, and years and years and years ago, and they came to me to give me information to give to their loved one. And all that information turned out to be true. I had no way to know any of it. It was only kept between one person and not the person I was telling, um, that person's other relative. And there was no way for me to know this very detailed information. And it all turned out to be 100% accurate. And um, it, it flipped their lives right upside down. And, um, and so that's the only only thing that I, I'm kind of hung up on that because that's happened to me a couple times, a couple more times um where where that's happened and i'm just thinking like if it's like like we say like um maybe our it's in a world where our mother didn't die or our grandmother didn't die and or whatever and we have that kind of connection there and emotions and the frequency of emotion can cross over into our place and and that's very strong we know that and not just good emotion but bad emotion too and and that's where we get in trouble with parasites but um but where i've had those experiences and they turn out to be you know People that didn't know me when they were alive, and I didn't know them, and they gave me information that turned out to be true that I wouldn't otherwise ha have had. That's my only hang-up. <laughs> oh, no, no, I get that. Uh, but I have a couple of points on that before we go to our break and change gears in the second half hour. Um, what, why is it so physical? I mean, I, I have, well, I don't know. I, I, I might have had experiences of people uh, who had died here and then seeing them you know, fully dressed, going about their daily lives, or trying to communicate. And why is it so physical? Um, we, I think there are worlds in which they are very much aware of us, because the laws of physics are different. And um, I still think a multitude of bodies and and uh, facets of, of ourselves and everyone else, which are all part of ourselves and all part of the life of God, if you will. So, <coughs> excuse me. So, um that being said, uh, why don't we take our break, and when we come back, we're going to shift gears to an equally uh, frustrating subject, 
uh, and will, uh, you know, from uh, off planet, if you want to say so. Uh, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno with our great uh, guest co-host Shane Searway today. Open line show here on WON 1240 AM, 99.5 FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back, so stick with us. The night is alive. Join us and take a walk on the weird side when you tune in to The Kingdom of Nye, hosted by Heather Wade, the finest in late-night talk. Listen live free weeknights starting at 9 p.m. Pacific time at thekingdomofnye.com, talkstreamlive.com, and the Paranormal Radio app. Want to take a ride? Local and live at 99.5 FM. And welcome back to Behind the Paranormal on WON AM and FM Radio out of uh, Woonsocket, Rhode Island. I'm Paul Eno. Ben Eno is here with me. And Shane Searway as well, special guest co-host today for our open line show. And let's um, shift gears here. Ben, if you want to go to the next question. Sure. Who's that from? Uh, it is from Mark in Chapacha, Rhode Island. Uh, and he says, I have read a, a bunch of UFO books over the last few years, and I just finished two new ones by some top-shelf UFO experts. I have more questions about contactees than I had before, as, as it goes. Mm. Um, if they had all, if they are all in touch with ETs, why are the ET messages so different? That's a good question. Uh, are they really uh, perfect or are they sketchy? Why are the messengers and messages always different? In one book, uh, the writer has been. Oh, I need the other page. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in one book, the writer has been taken for spins in UFOs to two di- uh, to two different planets. Are we supposed to believe this? What do you think? What do you think, Ben? Uh, you know what's funny? I, I when I, I was recently on on a, another podcast the other day, and um, I <laughs> this question came up because um, we were talking about en- environmentalism, and uh, the question the question from the the hosts um, was essentially. Well, what do you what do you think of ETs that are like, well, you got to stop messing up the planet? And I was like, well, first of all, why would they care? And B, um, <laughs> second of all, why you know what would be, what would they gain out of it? And the the third thing is, you know, all all of these. I don't I don't what's the word? I don't disagree that something happened to somebody. I don't disagree that there that there was an experience somebody had and they received a message. The thing I, I do kind of question is our perception of it, because you know somebody could tell me something and I'll just compl- I, I could just completely misinterpret what they're saying. For example, Dad, you could say something like "Have a nice day," and if I catch an inflection that's like, "Is, is he telling me to not have a nice day? <laughs> what is he telling me? You know what is." <laughs> If if you're dealing with something, this just occurred to me now, so this is a live thought. Um, is you know if you're if you're dealing with something that isn't, let's we're just going to assume it's just not human. It's completely other. You know you can't read body language. It's like seventy five percent of all interaction is body language and like inflection. And if you don't like get that, you know words coming to you could just be you know essentially meaningless, right? Or we could just ascribe meanings to them, which could be why you know they're all different. Like I said, not saying that someone's not experiencing something because I'm pretty sure they are. You know, they probably wouldn't have been as affected by it if something something didn't happen. Mm. But here's the thing: I I think our our perceptions of it it's all it's all based on human perception, which is flawed. 
yeah. in many ways. And sometimes, you know, we put our own thoughts into messages. It's like someone can read, I don't know, some religious book and be like, they're talking about this. The end of the world's coming. And it's like, no, it, it could be something completely different. And it's, but we're all reading the same thing, but we're getting different things from well, it. Well, people who read our books who get different things from them, which I right. find disconcerting. Shane, what say you? Yeah, I, I've never taken like a trip on a UFO like some of these people, and they've, but I've had experiences with these things at night. Um, yeah, you childhood. and me both. Yeah. We were together and, one night and that happened. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and so since a young child, I'd see these things in my room and, you know, typical gray little ones. And then there was always like a, a big tall one that was in charge. And, um, they never spoke to me. They had no emotion. So it was hard for me to read. So Ben talking about the perception is, is could be totally accurate because I could have made up whatever I thought they were thinking or whatever. Um, but all I know is, um, like as an adult, I haven't had any experience with these for a while, for and there's a reason for that. But um, they feel the same as a parasite. When you're in, I don't think that they're the same. I think, but I don't trust them because mm. um, I think the parasites are different than these things that that visit people at night, abduct them or whatever. I, I, but I think they're they feel the same. They have the same energy. They don't feel good to me. Um, and but I think the I mean, they could they could be the same thing as these parasites that are that are attacking people that are, um, but for some reason I think there's something different about them. But they're not good, and I don't care. Um, I know some people have had good experiences, but some people have started off having good experiences with parasites too. They'll come across <laughs> yeah. as a nice, cute little girl, or you know, or their their grandma that they love so much that passed away, and whatever it takes to get you to pay attention to it. And to buy into it, and so you, you're feeding it that attention, that energy, and then that's when it flips it, everything on you. So, um, but, but I've never had them talk to me. Never, and I'm not saying no one else has, but I'm just saying I don't, I don't trust them. I don't trust it at all. You know, I agree with both of you. Um, <clears throat> certainly, um, uh, I don't know if Mark is reading the same books I am, but I'm, I'm trying to. Uh, read every book, not every book, but at least one book by anyone we have on the show, you know, in, in ample time before uh, they come on. Uh, now next week we have Kathy Martin, <clears throat> who is uh, not only a good friend, she's a, a, a co-host of the show from time to time, and she has written a new book, uh, which, uh, and years ago she told us that she had had a, a, some personal experiences um, with uh, this sort of thing and had not mentioned it publicly because she was a naturally concerned for her credibility. Uh, she is the niece of Betty and Barney Hill, the, the, the first well-publicized abduction experience uh, from 1961. And her book is a t- kind of a tell-all book now. And I was pretty much knocked sideways by it. I mean, I just, it's amazing. So we're going to talk about that next week. Uh, Mark may be interested in uh, that because all this is going to come up. And then <clears throat> on June 26th, we have Preston Dennett uh, back, and Preston has written a book about the, the Dolly case from Florida. D- Dolly as in D-O-L-L-Y, a nickname of a girl uh, who had uh, these experiences. And I, I agree with Ben. I, mean, I have never, I mean, I've encountered what I believe are aliens, but in, 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 in the context of poltergeist cases, uh, that where they were supposed to have been demons. I was working with a priest in Lorraine Warren, and I've mentioned this a hundred times on the show. They just didn't seem like anything but alien to me. Now, whatever that word may mean. 
So uh, we're, these, these two shows, if anybody is interested in this, uh, those who are interested in this subject uh, will want to listen to the next week's show on June 26th when we really get into this. Now, now the Dolly case, uh, I, I'm halfway through the book. It's called Symmetry by Preston Dennett. And I have five pages of notes and questions already. Now, we're never going to get to all that on the show, but it's just, I mean, every, everything in the book is possible. You know, little imagination, little open-mindedness, it's all possible. But I don't trust it. I agree with Shane and, and as Ben and, and Ben too. So we'll leave that for those shows, and uh, I think people will be interested. So who's next there, Ben? Uh, so we have Pam from Whitby, England. Oh, okay. And uh, Pam writes to us, There are a lot of new UFO books around, and some of the experiencers' experiences are way out there. Yeah, we, we have a number of questions on this same subject. Right. Uh, you guys have studied theology, you more so than I, Dad. Uh, why do so many of these ET contacts experiences remind me of messages from the Virgin Mary and other saints? I'm thinking of Fatima, Lourdes, and the rest. Yeah, that, that's a really, really good question, uh, and we, we've dealt with that here and there on the show. Uh, it's very interesting that, because uh, Fatima and Lourdes were, uh, Fatima's in Portugal and Lourdes is in France, and uh, <clears throat> in the uh, 19th century and in the early 20th century, respectively, there were apparitions of, of what was believed to be the Virgin Mary to uh, some children. And uh, the Catholic Church, actually, which is very persnickety about these sorts of things, actually accepted those as legitimate miracles. However, I don't know if they considered the fact that those uh, the places where these occurred were considered to be locally fairy caves or fairy grottos, as they were called, and there had been constant apparitions of weird creatures uh, and strange figures, including ladies in white uh, or blue, since pagan times or even before that. So I find that quite interesting, and we often find that that these could be what today we call flap areas. So um, I'm not sure I trust those things either. And they really do kind of remind me of some of the alien experiences today. You know, now the Romans would see weird stuff in the sky and they call them flying shields. All the way through history, uh, people have seen things and put it in their own cultural context. So um, since, uh, you know, when, when everybody was, uh, when Christianity pretty much was, uh, dominant in Europe and, and other areas, people would see the Virgin Mary uh, or, or assume it was the Virgin Mary, regardless of what she said, uh, or other things in the sky. The, the, the whole miracle of the sun, as it was called at Fatima, was kind of a major thing. Uh, and then today, when in a more secular time, for better or for worse, uh, people see people from other planets saying the same things, doing in many ways the same things, and... Uh, I find that interesting. I don't know, Shane. Yeah, I agree. The um, like, like we said, I don't trust too many of the things. I have been um, had messages or or contacts from what I'm what I say is God. Um, he's during my experience that where I was taught how to how to help people with negative entities. Um, I don't think a parasite would teach me how to get rid of itself. No, and, no, that, some of this is entirely legitimate. Absolutely, but I, I still don't trust a lot of these things. So we got to be very careful. And and so with me knowing um, how to how they tick, kind of since a young age, and being able to, to get rid of them fairly very easily because I understand the mechanics behind it all. Um, so 
now I'm starting to like, I, I think more about these visits that I've had since a child because I've had things, those nightly visits, um, I think were only meant to maybe kind of like deter me from doing or, or putting into place what I was gifted by God, this information, and maybe they were trying to scare me off or something like that because they would never approach me during the day. It was only when I was helpless and I was asleep would I, would they show up. And, um, you know, and I mean, I felt um, excruciating pain just uh, probably four years ago in this house. And that was, I think, one of the last times it's happened to me. It felt like they were shoving something sharp and long into both my rib cages. And I woke up and I had puncture wounds and bruising. Wow. And, um, <clears throat> but I was, when I, I in, it was kind of like, I was kind of out of it. So I, I, I woke up and I felt this pain because I could sense that they were there and I felt this pain in my sides and, and, um, and, it, and I just black out kind of thing. And I wake up in the morning and I look in the mirror and sure enough, I got these bruises and everything. And, um, but these, like I said, these things, um, I don't trust them, and because I know how to get rid of them, they're only going to hit me when I'm asleep. So um, they're they're no good. But yeah, the they'll appear as anything. They'll appear as your mom. Your you know they'll appear as you know the Virgin Mary if they if they need to. And I'm not saying that those things don't happen. I'm just saying be real careful in what you buy into. Yeah, uh, Ben. Sure. And then we'll get to a question for from Peter. Yes. Um, I think we should start off with. A fun sort of comparison here. Um, mythology, right? Why Why are a majority of religions throughout the world um, are based around stories? They're based around a narrative, right? And, you know, we, we, all, we all love to hear stories, but why do we like to hear stories? Because in some way, shape, or form, we participate in them as we listen. You know, it's why we like going to the movies. It's why we like, you know, listening to people tell jokes or anecdotes because it, it helps us feel like we're participating in something. And there's a really weird thing that's happening now because we've put ourselves into sort of an odd intellectual box here in the modern world um, where we've isolated ourselves from everybody else. And a lot of things due to 19th century German scholars and many others um, have contributed to this sort of weird separation that we've we've participated in for the last, you know, 200, 300 years or so, where, you know, we, we separate things as via, via rational or intuitive, and never the twain shall meet. And we're suffering the consequences of that now, because we're sort of forced to deal with this re-enchantment of the world around us. And I'm going to expand on that in a little bit. Um, so as, as a mythology... I would consider every aspect of the paranormal mythology. And I would consider it that not as, oh, well, it's myth, therefore it's not real, because that became the definition in the 19th century for some reason. The definition is it's a story we're participating in. So when someone, when you read, you know, um, you know the story of King Lycanthro, you know, and how he became a wolf, you know, we were like, oh, well, that's dumb. But then, you know, we have someone on the show that's like, well, upright canine cryptids. And we're like, that's it. That's that's the thing right there. But here's the thing. There's no difference. It's the same stories that people are participating in, right? So, yeah, sure, the cultural context might be different. But here's the thing. The patterns will always stay the same. 
because history repeats itself constantly because it's a pattern and we as humans live in patterns it's why you know the the upper crust or whoever you want to say is in charge is trying so hard to break out of the human condition we're doing our best to break out of it because that's the one thing that hasn't changed you know we may speak different languages our technology is different but the same people in ancient rome greece wherever are all experiencing the same things we are today the only difference is they experienced it ever so slightly differently because of how the world was viewed. They knew they were participating in a story, and they knew that all these layers of existence were happening happening all at the same time. You know, that's why religion was a thing, because, you know, say something bad happens to you. I learned this really recently. There was a, there, any artifact you, you typically find, because amulets were really big back in the day, um, a lot of Romans and Greeks would typically have a Medusa medallion that they would wear around their necks. And there was an idea put put out by Aristotle that if you reenact something bad, something bad won't happen to you. That was kind of the idea behind Greek tragedies, was if something bad happens and if you're witnessing it and a part of it, then nothing bad will happen to you. So the idea was you have something bad to ward off something bad. You know, The same kind of idea with gargoyles almost. That it's that it's you know th- these things don't change they they've stuck with us forever you know the idea of having you know these quote unquote demons or devils that are out there to trick you has been around forever the idea of having people visiting you from the sky has been around forever but here's the thing we're no closer to figuring out what's happening with all of the technology around us all we have is the human experience so we have all these things and all these patterns that will just constantly manifest over time that we're all participating in. The only difference is we all think we're the main character. (laughs) And and we're not. We're we're all participating and we're all, you know, we all have our our parts to play and none of us is the main character. Right. And that's my spiel. Well put. Uh, Let's get to a question from Peter in Bogota, Colombia. Peter Shelley, uh, one of our guest co-hosts. First thing Peter says is, uh, welcome back, Sheen. Um, a few years ago on BehindTheParanormal.com, you mentioned some kind of an object, perhaps a glass globe, that had an ability to pick up reflections of paranormal images. Can you please redescribe this device and share what experiences you had with this? Yeah, so it's not a particular glass globe or any particular item. It's various different things. So let me explain. So what I was describing was... Uh, glass objects that only ref- that only reflect light, uh, not only reflect light, but alter its vibrational frequency. So it's it's altering the light. It can you know uh, um, like water. Water can change direction. It can it alters the light. And so we have we have um, light and we have energy. We have um, uh, so light and 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 some sounds that we can't hear. Some light spectrums we can't see. So we need something a medium to to transform it. So we can see these things. So I, I realized this a long time ago when I'm doing my investigations is why are most the most active homes surrounded by rivers or streams or, you know, any water body, but almost always rivers and streams because there's an inconsistency in the water. Just like the best um, captures using uh, the images that you use when with these glass objects I was talking about, um, I formed that off of, all right, so I think something's happening with the water. The the what, with rivers and streams being inconsistent is transforming frequency somehow to allow a different parallel or or a different um, ex, uh, world or whatever to 
intersect with ours. It's it, that medium. It's, it's, it's allowing it to cross over, and now we can have an exchange. They can mess with us, or we can see something that happened at a different time. And um, But also these parasites kind of can come through there, and we're able to see, feel, hear them. Uh, but something is needed to, for that to happen, just like dogs can see things that we can't see, and, and animal cats, same thing. Um, there's things that we can't see, we can't interact with, but we need something to allow that that convergence to take place. And so um, rivers and streams seem to be a, a, a strong medium in allowing that process to take place, where it is totally responsible for it. Um, so, uh, so a light wave is an electromagnetic wave which travels through a vacuum in space. Light waves are produced by vibrating electric charges. An electromagnetic wave is a transverse wave which has... An electric and magnetic component, electromagnetic waves exist with an enormous range of frequency, and um, so refraction is when light waves change direction as they pass from one medium to another. Light travels um, slower in an air vacuum, and in in, so it's slower in water. As uh, light travels into a different medium, the, char- the change in speed bends the light and changes uh, the original frequency and allowing us to see something. So um, also the same thing with these flap areas. All these flap areas that Paul was talking about, they, almost all of them are surrounded by rivers and streams. So that um, these energies and frequencies that we can't see or interact with on a daily basis that are in parallels are now um, can converge with us through the process of, through the water that changes that frequency and, and brings it into ours so we're able to see and hear and feel. Um, so when I said, like, with these, taking photographs, I said, so if we can do this, maybe, t- you know, through the process of uh, f- um, reflective photography, it, maybe we can kind of repeat that and maybe capture inter- images. Now we're only capturing light, and it's not the other interactions that we talked about, such as, like, you know, in, in a home where people have things going on, or the flap areas that the rivers and streams are responsible for, but the but the, the imperfect glass, so it's going to be like what, the ones that we found are most effective in capturing weird images, like legit, like crystal clear images of weird creatures and people and um, different times is it's inconsistent just like the rivers or streams. So it's like blown glass, like old blown glass that might be thicker in one area or, I mean, there's no, so you think about the crystal ball. People used to th- see things in the crystal ball. Um, I think a lot of people that use that are, are, you know, just scamming you, but I think there's something to be said for that because it, it's gone back a long time. So, um, it's something that's altering those light frequencies that are, that's allowing us to, uh, capture images. So, um, I, I had a guy on my team, Mike Sullivan, years ago, and he, that was his purpose. So he did EVP, but he, we, we, we tasked him with, um, doing reflective photography and he was capturing some outstanding things and he could use anything he could use an old bottle uh an old mirror uh, things that are like i said work better when they were inconsistent like old blown glass or something like that and was capturing just very very vivid images of things that weren't there and so there's a guy named william lawrence that i've talked to um years ago. i haven't talked to him for years but he come across, uh, he's an investigator, and he come across the same type of um, realization, and he uses a different method, but he kind of, I guess, kind of uh, combines the two, and he takes a clear bottle, uh, like a, a, a spring water bottle, takes a label off it, puts water in it, holds it up to the sun, and it the, the, the rays shine through the water in the, in the bottle, 
onto a black object and he'll take a picture of that and he's capturing faces and and people like in robes and uh some of them I think is pareidolia other ones are phenomenal uh really good photographs same same type of idea different technique but really the process is um altering the the light waves and and um and so and I think there's um so much to be said like you know Tesla recognized all this a long time ago and who's going to argue with him but vibration energy and frequency is um you know kind of like the secret if we could figure that out we could figure out the secret to the universe and so when i think of like so vibration energy and frequency you you think of um you know god is the word right so they say god is the word um in the beginning um was the word and the word was with god and and God was the word, or the word was God. And so, what's a word, right? Like spoken word, it's a sound, it's a frequency. And, um, and then, you know, you got Jesus as the light. I mean, I think there's, we can, we can interpret things differently, but I think sometimes things are so f- right in front of us, um, that we walk right by it. And, um, I think, um, you know, when I had my death experience, I was told that, emotion that's how i help people is i manipulate emotion and um and that's a frequency and i was told that and so people have to in order to get out of their dark place because they're in a lower emotion i have to elevate their their um emotion which elevates their frequency that puts them in a better place and jesus gave us a good example right of um he is the light to be in the light that's he's elevating our emotions by by not carrying dark emotions or lowered emotions with us we're able to get let go of those right so um there's so much to be said with the light the energy and the frequency but um the capturing of those photographs is is, um we're changing we're manipulating or we're altering the frequencies of those light by taking reflective photography of water um or or glass or mirrors or 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 things of that nature um and let, let me tell you something there's this is not pareidolia. Some of these we gotten mind blowing images, and and I totally believe it's because we're altering frequencies that we couldn't see with our eyes, um, and we're bringing them into our spectrum that through that process. That's fascinating. I'm thinking too of the photography of Stella Lansing, a lady from Sterling, Mass, uh, who wasn't uh, almost in our listing. Yeah, it's in our listing area, really. And uh, in the 1960s, she would take photos, and uh, she just had the knack of uh, picking up things that Shane has just described. You know, whether it was something of the lens she was using, I don't know. I, I didn't know her, but, I mean, we, we mentioned her in lectures. And uh, <clears throat> there were all sorts of examples of this. I, mean, I, I knew Ted Sirios, uh, who in the early days, uh, mid-20th century, was a guy who could look into the, uh, lens of a camera and whatever he was thinking would come out on the film. Sometimes they didn't even need a camera. They'd look at a packet of Polaroid film. And, uh, you know, I, mean, I didn't, I was wet behind the ears, but I didn't say anything illegitimate about it. Uh, he had an interesting life. He was well known to the police, but he, he had this talent, which was quite incredible. So, so there we are. I guess we're just about, uh, out of time. Shane, tell us. Where people can find out more about you? Yeah, uh, just trueghost.com, T-R-U-E-G-H-O-S-T.com. Um, website's going to be getting an uh, update very, very soon, but my contact information is there, and you can reach me through that. 
Very good. And Shane will be back with us in a month on June 12th uh, for our next open line show, and if not before. And uh, we're just really happy to have him back with us. And let's get on with our announcements. Yes. And we have quite a few announcements, uh, especially this time of year. You know, we got lots of, lots of stuff going on. And uh, the Exeter UFO Festival is back after a two-year hiatus. Uh, that will center at the historic Exeter, New Hampshire Oh. That, was, that was sent out at the historic Exeter, New Hampshire Town Hall over the Labor Day weekend. That's September 3rd and 4th. Uh, more information will be forthcoming. This is a great event sponsored by the Exeter Area Kiwanis Club to benefit local children's charities. Uh, we plan to do our traditional live broadcast uh, from the Exeter UFO Festival on Sunday with a panel of speakers. The subject of our talk will be time storms. Uh, with thanks to the great British researcher Jenny Randalls, who coined the term. This is a very fun event. The whole town gets involved. It's really Really, really a wonderful time. Uh, restaurants will serve things like Roswell Burgers, front, Final Frontier Franks, and Alien Crunch ice cream, and more <laughs> information to come. Yeah, I like the ice cream. Uh, <laughs> v- uh, visit our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, along with Shane's website, TrueGhost.com, where you can find over 1,100 hours, well, not on TrueGhost, but on <laughs> Behind the Paranormal, you can find over 1,100 hours of our regular shows and special broadcasts. Since 2008, from CBS Radio, Archive Radio, and here on WON AM and FM, including uh, the ones that have been restored in the archives at BehindTheParanormal.com and other areas. Uh, you can also hear many of these broadcasts on the major podcast platforms, including iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Uh, we have a show app, a rather simple one. It's free. Uh, it's right there on the uh, opening page of BehindTheParanormal.com, and you'll be able to... Um, uh, pick up our shows as they are posted online, the recorded ones. Indeed. And uh, our show website has a charity page with links to several good causes uh, we've adopted, including Hope for Hilldale Cemetery in Haverhill, Massachusetts, uh, USA Cares, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, Helping Haiti's Orphans, the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America, the Sisterhood of Ground Zero, and most recently, the Western Kentucky Tornado Relief Fund. Okay, so what's on the front burner for next week, Ben? Well, the front right burner has, uh, that's uh, next That's next week, May 22nd. Well, welcome back, legendary Kathleen Martin, for a jarring look into her new tell-all book uh, with her own extraterrestrial contact, Forbidden Knowledge. Quite a book, I'll tell you. We leave you today with a thought from 19th century English romantic poet John Keats. Nothing ever becomes real until it is experienced. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And I'm Shane Sarway. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.